Hello and welcome to episode 67 of the NFL Scotland podcast. Another brilliant week of action as week three is in the history books. We'll be looking back at some of our highlights. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. We had ejections, dejections and multiple players exceeding their projections in an action-packed round of games. The Saints get a win and Paul is back on the pod. Coincidence? We think not. We'll be making sure he's fully over his week two hissy fit. I'm feeling good. We'll share your thoughts on our weekly awards and I'll be bringing Cameron to task on him not backing his own team for the third week in a row. Yeah, but it's working. Then it's on to week four as we prepare for our sold out live event in Glasgow. And we'll make our choices for our pick six competition. And as ever, we'll finish up with some of the latest news hitting the league. Yeah, lots to talk about. And it really was an entertaining week three. It all started, and we'll go right back, because uh, we tweeted about this on Friday morning. The Garner Minshew hype train is at full speed. Uh, The Jacksonville Jags were terrible on the run. Absolutely terrible. If you had Leonard Fournette in your fantasy team with about three minutes to go in the game, you were thinking, good grief, he's on negative yards. One big 69-yard play at the end. To be honest, he ran out of steam. He could have gone in for a touchdown. But the Jags did more than enough to beat a really disappointing Titans. But Gardner Minshew, and this is going to be a little theme, I think, over this podcast in the coming weeks, stepped in unexpectedly to be the QB1 and is doing really well. 204 yards, two touchdowns. That's a decent performance. There's two different routes, isn't there, into being the starting quarterback. And we'll talk about the second route, the New York route, in a moment. One is you take your chance when it comes and you've got to see if you've got it. And at the moment, he's certainly got it. Now, I must admit, this is the first thing I put down on my sheet when when we were taking notes for this, is the Jags win. I think this is a significant win for them. Equally, you've got to be disappointed if you're Tennessee. You're at home against a team with a second-string quarterback, and you can't put them away. I think the Titans, who I really liked in Week 1, look like they've been overhyped. And the Jags, well, looks like they could be competitive without their, their starting QB. Yeah, and the starting QB in Tennessee, Mariota had a couple of decent throws, but he missed a couple of wide-open receivers. Just a bit disappointing overall. Um, but it kicked off the weekend style. And then, do you know what, let's focus in on our own teams. Because the, the 49ers did everything that they could to lose that game on offense. How many turnovers? Honestly, every single time they got me a little bit excited about as we moved down the field. There was another turnover. It was pretty disappointing on that side. But our defense is playing brilliantly and is almost single-handedly winning games at the moment. Um, so, ground out a result. We're 3-0. and Can't argue with that. Uh, Mason Rudolph had moments of being good, but then other times maybe didn't look that convincing. How much of that is down to um, the fact he was up against that decent 49ers front seven? I don't know. But it'll be interesting to see how he progresses. See, I could not believe every time they went to the red zone. Let's go to California. Oh, they've coughed it up again and again and again. You had absolutely no right to win that game. You cannot turn the ball over five times and win is the conventional wisdom. But Jimmy G gets away with it on this occasion. And I I was quite impressed. I'm not sure you would have got away with it with Big Ben booming the ball if if he'd been in. But sometimes, and let's be honest, Cameron, over, you know, the 16 games you're going to play, there's ugly wins. And boy... Was that an ugly win? But the bottom line is, it's a win. You're 3-0, and having won two on the road. It would have been so like the, the 49ers to blow it at home. And thankfully, they didn't. No, indeed, thankfully, they didn't. Steelers own three for the first time since 2013. But if you're looking for plus signs on their side of things, defensively, they... they Created a lot of turnovers. Minka Fitzpatrick made an immediate impact on that one as well. Uh, and they've got this game against Cincinnati coming up at this weekend. We'll come on to that when we talk about week four. Um, but your New Orleans Saints bounced back in style, did they not? I mean, they did. And let's be honest, if anybody's just looking at the score and seeing Seattle 27, New Orleans 33, you go, wow, that was close. It wasn't. It just was not close. I mean couple of great defensive plays. Uh, obviously, Seattle were expecting the referee to blow the whistle uh, on those <laughs> ones. 
because that's what it says in the rule book. But yeah. obviously they've missed that, so they'll get pulled up for that. I think it was great. I think when you're coming with your number two QB in Teddy Bridgewater, who was 19 to 27, 107. Seven yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. I often think it's that no interceptions thing that's so important. Uh, you're not turning the ball over. You're doing enough. Uh, Alvin Kamara, 16 carries, 69 yards and a touchdown. That's pretty good as well. But to me, the defense certainly did their job. I mean, I've got concern. I mean, Marshawn Lattimore is on course to give up. Well, I think it would take him another two weeks if he's on pace to give up the same number of yards that he was targeted on last year. So that's not looking particularly good. But, you know, it was a lovely play by Eli Apple to punch the ball out. So he gets a lot of credit for that. So now I was very, very pleased. And you got to remember, I mean, Seattle scored on the very last play of the game. Or it would have, you know, looked even better at, at 33-20 or 33-21, whatever it was. Um, that last play, I mean, Russell Wilson had a fabulous week in terms of fantasy, but uh, the real life win goes to New Orleans. And I think that gives Teddy Bridgewater the next few weeks because basically Taysom Hill was sitting behind him. If it had gone wrong for Teddy Bridgewater, you immediately get the pressure for Taysom Hill. Some teams have only got one quarterback to bring in uh, when they've got a problem with their starter. The Saints arguably have got two, and it'd be nice to see there'd be no controversy and Teddy Bridgewater just takes this as his job. It was interesting to see that Taysom Hill featured a lot less, and I wonder if that is the fact that he now is the backup the Saints are less willing to risk him in some of those sort of trick plays and things like that. Um, it was, I mean, if you're talking about, you know, Russell Wilson, what a game he had. It was absolutely unbelievable. Uh, he, you know, he is the one star in that team that can create problems if they're, if the, um, you know, the New Orleans Saints, sorry, the Seattle Seahawks are going to be a threat this year, then it's going to be because of Russell Wilson. Uh, Chris Carson, an awful lot of problems keeping on to the ball, but he looks dangerous. But on the flip side of this, if you had in your fantasy team Russell Wilson and Alvin Kamara, then my goodness me, you pretty much won on those two guys. 161 yards is an unbelievable performance against what is a very good team. Um, It really was... it, It was a case of Bridgewater leaning on the guy that he knew he could lean on. And Kamara turned up in style, in absolute style. So you've got to, I guess after the Rams game, you might have been concerned to take the blown call out of it. It was limp performance. But I guess maybe Teddy wasn't ready to necessarily expect to go in. Now Teddy's had that full week where he's had the chance to train. uh, And it's obviously paid off. He's starting to build that relationship. He's starting to dust, uh, blow out the, the cobwebs and dust himself down. Even Michael Thomas, he's starting to find him as well. So... Plenty to be positive, do you think? Oh, I, th- I think there's a lot to be positive from the Saints. As I say, I mean, the scoreline doesn't tell the whole story of the game. I like the way the line played. I've still got concern about the secondary, but Cam Jordan, you're playing well. Davenport's starting to play better. So I think there's a lot of good things. Again, I think there's a difference, and I think you made the great point. There's a difference between a quarterback being slung in um, you know, in the second half of a game because the starter's gone down. It's a completely different environment. If you're the starter, you're getting all the snaps, everything's game planned for you. So I would never, ever judge a second-string quarterback coming in just on what he does in the tail end of one game. It's how they start, and Teddy Bridgewater has shown that he can start. If you're a Steelers fan, I think you're concerned about Mason Rudolph as far as that's concerned. So you look at that, and again, yeah, Garner Minshew's done the job in Jacksonville as well. So, But I think we, we've got to talk about probably the big story because simply because he's in New York, and that is the man who has taken over from Eli Manning in Daniel Jones. I mean... If you remember back to the draft, he I mean, the Giants took pelters beyond belief for drafting this guy at number six. All of a sudden, and it is only one game, he comes out 336 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and also ran in a couple as well. You know, he was brilliant. Um, he did everything that he needed to do. And like you say, a little bit more because he managed to run in a couple of touchdowns himself. That was a really good performance, I think, from him. He had Evan Engram for 113 yards. He got Sterling Shepard for 100 yards. 
Um, he was thrown to Darius Slayton. I'll be honest, I hadn't even heard of Darius Slayton before this weekend at all. They lost Barkley. And when you lose your key player like that, it's so easy for your head to go down. Now, take away from this one thing in that the Bucks blew it as much as anything else. You know, Daniel Jones did all he could, but the Bucks blew this game big time. Now, now are you going to blame the kicker or not? Well, you're going to blame the kicker because the kicker missed. It wasn't a massive distance by any shape of the imagination. It really wasn't. It was a, a kick he should have made, but he was not helped in any way by his own team. Um, and I do not understand the, and I don't think many people do, looking at some of the comments on Twitter and things like that, but Arian's coming out and saying that it's an easier kick to make further back. Doesn't I don't get the logic to that at all. No, I'm. I'm just wondering if he's if he's been employed by the SFA uh, <laughs> to try try and explain things. That's that is bizarre. Now, can I actually blame someone else? You can blame whoever you want. I I blame Jameis Winston. He's a turnover machine. He just time and time again in crucial situations, not necessarily in the last, you know, leading up to the the field goal, but there are times you just think, what are you doing? You have been in the league four seasons. Stop being dumb in terms of throwing the ball. And you know, there you've got Daniel Jones. What what's the key stat off his line? No interceptions. Winston can't do that, and that's why I think Tampa in a world of hurt. He will just turn the ball over at the most inopportune times. Now, if we go if we go back to the kick, now, Gay has hit 37 of 38 from 40 yards or closer in college. But they took a delay of game and they got moved back because Bruce Arians, as you say, thought he was a better kicker from a longer distance. Now, ironically, if you look at the kick, if he's five yards, seven yards closer, he probably makes it. Um, I just do not understand... Um, why why he did that. Um, if it's closer, it's easier. I'm trying to think in many sports, if you're further away, it makes it makes it easier. Can you think of anything? No, I'm, I'm struggling, to be perfectly honest, other than something that you need a running start for. Uh, yeah. A, a cricket bowler or something like that, the further away you are. I guess a penalty. If you're taking a penalty, you don't want to be standing right on the ball. No, um, but, you're, but you're still only, in cricket, you're still only putting that 22 yards. In football, you're still only kicking at 12 yards. Som- yeah, I- sometimes a free kick in football, uh, if, you, if you're right on the edge of the box, sometimes the position of the wall means that to get it up and over that wall is a challenge. Move it back five yards, and you've got a better opportunity to lift the ball enough to get over a wall and then back down again so that you can try and hit a top corner. But I'm clutching at straws here let's be honest um there isn't many sports uh, there's not many situations where being further away is better and i think it's yeah it's clutching at straws it really is clutching at straws can I, we'll, we'll finish this game with this because i i did like this because i mean you'll be like me you read an awful lot about the nfl and sometimes you ju- you just get a lovely line and this came from the ringer this week uh, daniel jones won this game with wayne gallman at running back and a segway wearing gloves on its handlebars as the number two receiver <laughs> yeah pretty much um, it, yeah indeed i'll give a quick shout out to mike evans because he had a day uh, what a first half performance! No, 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 he didn't have a day. He had a first half. Yes, indeed, he did. Now, okay, he got the one at the very end, but what was he doing in quarter three yeah. and for most of quarter four? He's having a day, and all of a sudden, okay, there's more, there's more pressure on him. I get that he's being covered in a different way, but he's still the guy that has been plucking him out the air. Give him a bit more targets. I'm, I'm sounding upset that Tampa Bay lost. That's just rubbish. <laughs> I don't know what that was there. Um, so we need to move on briefly and talk about the fact that the Lions are unbeaten. Well, the, there's no Lions sleeping tonight, as they say. Now, did the Eagles lose the game or Lions win the game? Well, I happen to think the Lions won the game because that's what the scoreboard says. But if you're an Eagles fan, I think you've got every right to be upset here. Um, again, you've got to take into account they've got a lot of injuries on that Eagles team, but somehow the Lions just, you know, pull it out. And it's making that stupid tie against Arizona looking worse. Uh, Matthew Stafford, I thought, played pretty well. I was quite impressed with the way he approached the game. Yeah, I thought, 
I thought they looked good. I thought they looked like they needed to do what they needed to do. And also, they did it without necessarily going to their key men as well. Kenny Galladay, who's been a, a major threat for them, hardly did anything on the day. I think Oh, that, just two catches, yeah, two yeah, catches. The, the Eagles disappointment that's actually the third consecutive win against the eagles that the lions have had as well which is quite impressive in itself but they did just enough to to get that victory uh, again the eagles could have gone down the field and done something with it but couldn't right at the end it was an interesting uh, game i thought that stafford did what he needed to do without being brilliant uh, you know, if you look at the numbers on the rushing side of things, there was no players did anything in particular. You know, Marvin Jones got 101 yards, fine. But, you know, J.D. McKissick got 44. Kerry on Johnson, 36. I saw him tweet earlier on. Um, apparently, the Philadelphia stacked the box with eight defenders expecting the run. You know, Kerry on Johnson saying, what have I done? I'm a good person. I don't deserve this. <laughs> um, Carson Vence, you know, 259s and yards and two touchdowns on the ground miles sanders did all right um jordan howard got in for his touchdown miles sanders did better in the receiving side of things to be honest Zach Ertz contributed nelson Aguilar's had a real hard time um for his drops 12 targets eight receptions 50 yards but he got two touchdowns could have maybe got more um it was you know a couple fumbles and things like that that weren't great it just didn't it just wasn't particularly brilliant from them and I think that the Philly fans will be bitterly disappointed because the Cowboys now are already running away with this division. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's very, very disappointing indeed. And it's just, I, I don't know if it's symptomatic. Sometimes the, there is a little bit of a hangover. Um, it was interesting. I was I was thankful to Scott Gardner, who, who was the first person to send me the, the clip that's on social media about the, the guy who was catching children being thrown from a building during a fire, even took time to absolutely light up Aglahor. Um, <laughs> that, that, that was brilliant. Now, Credit where credit is given. Nelson Aguilar has tweeted today, thank you for being a hero in the community. Excuse me. We'd like to invite you and your family to the next home game. I mean, how good is that? I mean, the guy got absolutely roasted by him, but Nelson Aguilar, the bigger person, reaches out and wants to invite him. If you've not seen that video, uh, it's not only does he does he burn him in terms of dropping the ball, but it's the look on his face as he does so. It, it's pretty wonderful. Now, you got to stick the knife into the Buccaneers. Um, one team that you can't put the knife into is the Carolina Panthers. And Kyle Allen uh, really did particularly well. Uh, a surprise, I think, how well he did. The Cardinals have been... They've had a tricky start. They've obviously not got that win. They got that draw. Kyler Murray at times looks great. At other times looks as though he's, you know... I don't want to say out his depth, but he's got a lot to learn. Whereas Kyle Allen came in and I thought did particularly well. It was exactly the sort of performance that the Panthers needed to bounce back from that disappointing game to the Buccaneers. But 19 for 26, 261 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, Christian McCaffrey got one in on the ground. Greg Olsen rocked up with two and 75 yards. Kurt Samuel on the board, DJ Moore on the board. He was a throwing threat. And that's something that the Panthers have not been under Cam. Now, actually, perhaps the best thing that's happened in the in the last sort of 24 hours is the fact that Newton might be out for a while. And that's well, going to give Kyle Allen the chance to bed himself into this team. Well, it's interesting. I mean, Kyle Allen, of course, is from Scottsdale, Arizona, so it was great for him to go there uh, and play so well. Texas A&M, he was was his main school, uh, Houston Cougars as well. So, I mean, he's got a bit of a pedigree about him. But what I liked, if you look at the tails of the quarterbacks here, Cameron, it's just if the, the simple statistics of it. He was 19 of 26, 261 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Kyler Murray threw the ball 43 times, 173 yards, two and two. So, you know, the Panthers, who I think are the better team anyway, um, did their job and was impressed. Now, you mentioned that Cam might be out, but we've already seen. Now, you've got to put a big asterisk against it with a highlighter and circle it in pink and yellow because it is Stephen A. Smith that's come out and said it. He says, if Cam Newton was fit, would he get back in? There's your question. Well, if Alan keeps the performances up, he's going to have a challenge. That's for sure. 
we'll move on to what was probably the big game of the early ones on Sunday evening, and that was the Chiefs versus the Ravens. Now, this is another one where it was really away from the Ravens and they kind of came back into it at the end when it a late a late surge, but nothing more than that, to be perfectly honest. But one statistic about the Kansas City Chiefs that no matter what you say, you just can't ignore, is that that is now, I think, the 24th game in a row where they have scored 25-plus points. That is an NFL record. On offense, they are impressive and they continue to be impressive. And when you look at the game, it wasn't Tyreek Hill. It wasn't really LaShawn McCoy. It was a whole bunch of other receivers. And in that side of things, it's Patrick Mahomes that's doing that. You know, 27 for 37, 374 yards and three touchdowns against what is a good defense in Baltimore. Um, Hardman with two receptions, 97 yards and a touchdown. Travis Kelsey rocked up with 89, find Sammy Watkins. But Darrell Williams, Demarcus Robinson, LaShawn McCoy, Byron Pringle, Blake Bell even pitched in with a one-yard catch. Um, on rushing, you had Darrell Williams in there, LaShawn McCoy, Mahomes himself, Darwin Thompson featured, Hardman on there as well. They've just got options. and They're almost Patriot-like in the way that they can just get so many of those pieces to contribute. And that makes them a nightmare to defend against. I, I'd like to admit a couple of things here. One, I mean, I've always had a soft spot for the Chiefs, but I went slightly anti-Mahomes last year perhaps clouded by the Saints Drew Brees trying to get MVP. I will now admit, <laughs> because this is the end of September, um, that the NFL got it right with Patrick Mahomes <laughs> um, for MVP. It's, it's taken a while, uh, but but I got there. I, I, it's all I, part of the recovery, Paul. It's all part of the I, recovery. It is. In fact, just actually, just while, while we're talking, there's some breaking news coming in from NFL memes. Uh, apparently, the breaking news is that Baker Mayfield is tested positive for being overrated. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I, do, I do like that. Coming back to the, the Chiefs, I mean, I think the, the Ravens can take a lot of positives out of the game. I think Lamar Jackson, it took him a while, but I think he played pretty well. But Kansas City have just got too many weapons all over the place. Um, you look to see where the weaknesses might be. He seems to have that Brady-esque thing about taking an average receiver and making them into a great receiver. And the receiver, the other thing that I, I noticed is the receivers are desperate to be targeted by Mahomes. They want the chance to shine because they know he can throw it. And if they can just get that little bit of separation and get their hands on it, you know, they, they are going to go there. And I, I just, I was really, really impressed with the way that KC have played. I mean, Robinson made one of the best catches of the season, the one-handed snag. I mean, even Mahomes was surprised that he caught it. So I think there's an awful lot of buzz about Kansas City, but I think it's deserved. For the Ravens, I guess there's a couple of question marks. The fact that Lamar Jackson, after two really impressive performances, but granted against teams that are perhaps not so highly rated, comes into this one. Now, the the Ravens struggled across the board, really, for most of this game, and they just couldn't stop Mahomes. They got back into it. They showed character. It, it was kind of like the playoff game last season when he did a very similar thing. As the game went on, they looked well done and dusted, that one against the Chargers. But they kind of fought back into it. Um, you know, 20, 22 for 43 isn't a great number. 267 yards. Mark Ingram had a day, though. 103 yards and three touchdowns. Lamar ran one in himself. I guess the concern would be that he, his throwing seemed to take a slight step back. They'll be hoping to bounce back against Cleveland. And that Cleveland defense can be quite disruptive themselves. So, I guess a little bit question marks there. But nothing massively for the Ravens to be worried about just yet, I don't think. No, I don't think so. I think, you know, it's a sign of a good quarterback that you take care of bad teams as well. And I think that's what they did with, I mean, okay, they could have been a little bit better against Arizona, I guess, but he's done the job as far as I'm concerned. So, no, um, lots of teams will go into Arrowhead and struggle. So, no, I'm not overly concerned about the Ravens at this point. Any other headlines that you want to draw attention to? The one I'm going to kick off with before I give you the floor is Brady has now passed Drew Brees. Uh, with 522 most touchdowns. So he's into second most touchdowns in NFL history ahead of Drew Brees. Just so yeah, you know. 
Yeah, he's, he's a bit overrated, Brady, to be fair. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's just, I mean, what what I think is more worrying for people, I mean, Brady's playing well. He's, You know, they've done the usual magic and juju there. I think it's the fact that very few teams are actually scoring on them um, that I think will, will concern people. I mean, again, the Pats-Jets was, was a mismatch, um, as was Vikings-Raiders, which I was slightly surprised at. I thought the the Packers Broncos was a decent game. Texans upsetting the Chargers. Well, for me, upsetting them. I fancied the Chargers on home soil. So uh, the other stories. I mean, the Dolphins scoring six points. They nearly covered the spread. Yeah, <laughs> they almost did. They almost, almost did. did. So, so credit to them. And the the other one is Jacoby Brissett winning. Colts down in the Falcons twenty seven twenty four. That is the kind of game. That, that switches a season. The Falcons need to win games like that if they're going to try and challenge the Saints. I mean, it's not been a particularly great week for the, for the Saints division in terms of wins. It's not been a great start to the season. You know, you've got Newton out, you've got Breeze out, uh, Winston's throwing interceptions. It's, that's a really interesting division, even if it's not great. Credit also, I think, to the Rams against the Browns. Uh, we, we had the wee swipe at Baker Mayfield there. I think there's... I, I said it at the start of the year. The Browns are going to go one of two ways. They will both end in fireworks, either celebration, or they'll be ripping themselves apart. You just wonder, because they've got a heck of a schedule coming up, Cameron, just which way the Browns are going to go. Yeah, they've got a lot to prove um, early doors. Bills, give them a shout-out, 3-0. Not a lot of people saw that one coming, I don't think, unless you spoke to a Bills fan, because I think they believe they're going to do it every single year. Um, that's Yeah, I want some of what they're drinking. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, shout-out to him, 13-2-1 record in his last 16 starts in Green Bay. Uh, Green Bay back in form, 3-0, starting the season very, very strong. The coach you mentioned there, they actually snap a five-game uh, home opening losing streak. So that's good for them to to get that monkey off their particular back. So no, that particular monkey off their back, not a particular back. You know what I mean? You well, I mean. monkeys and backs in yeah. Indianapolis. It, it happens <laughs> all the time. I think it's interesting what you say about Aaron Rodgers. You know, that's him now three and zero in his head coaching career. So he's done well. <laughs> right now, uh, last week I, I I've got a confession. Uh, Bobak of the week award goes to me because I forgot to read out all of the award nominations and give out the awards on our podcast last week. See, you weren't here to keep me right, Paul, and it all went to pot. I, I couldn't, to... couldn't believe it when I was listening in sunny Paris. <laughs> I'm yelling at my, my phone as I'm listening to the podcast, give the awards, give the awards. <laughs> a, a little shout out to Gordon McGuinness who covered for me last week. Two things. One, appreciate Gordon. Thank you. And two, he was very good as well. Please don't be so good the next time. <laughs> he nearly Kyle Allen you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> If, I tell you, if he had rocked up with a Minshew moustache, you would have been out. Uh, you would have been out. <laughs> right, so let's go to Twitter, though, and we'll talk through our 3B awards for the week. Of course, we're doing Belter for Player of the Week or Team of the Week, Baufin for horrible, disappointing performance, and the Bobag Award, which we've now said is just sponsored by Antonio Brown because uh, he could pretty <laughs> much win it every week. So to make sure that it's not just Antonio Brown, it's the Bobag Award, sponsored by Antonio Brown. Um... Let's go to Twitter thought. So Luke Reeling was first in. He said Belter. Cal Jusak um, of the 49ers, who honestly won that game. Hashtag make fullbacks great again. Baufin Award, Leonard Fournette, so slow. Had that 69-yard run that we talked about. So ended with 66 yards on 15 rushes. He was minus three yards up until that point. <laughs> and ball bag goes to perfect. Just punching into a pile of people in frustration. I think that's a fairly uh, decent shout. Martin got in touch. His belter is Daniel Jones. Baufin Award goes to uh, Baker Mayfield or Calvin Ridley. And his ball bag is Man Flu Jalen Ramsey. So, yes. I <laughs> love that. Yeah. Um, Scott Cameron got in touch. Belter of the week has to be the Packers defense for terrorizing Joe Flacco's Broncos. The, uh, the Packers defense is definitely one of the surprises of the season. Uh, we'll come on to that, though, in a minute as well. Uh, he also got in touch to say, Bob Ackley of the week is Bill Belichick for his interview behaviour and contempt for media, fans and the sport in general. Now, I'm actually going to pause here because this is something I want to speak to you about because you've got a lot more experience than me in this. I There's been so much spoken about Bill Belichick and this interview where he gives the stare, he doesn't answer the question and is just guarded and a bit of a ball bag. Now, I can get that. I totally get it. 
But see, compared to some of the stuff that I've seen conducted by managers in Scotland and around sport. Now, maybe we've got high expectations of the NFL, but comp- the availability, the fact that Belichick even came out and spoke is a sort of step up from what you get in Scotland half the time. So often something controversial happens and the teams keep that player completely away from the press. Um, so I don't know if it's because I've had that experience where you never actually quite get to speak to the person you want to speak to when you want to talk about the controversial stuff that I just, I don't know, I personally feel it's a little bit mountain molehill. No, I'm a little bit different on this. Bill Belichick's job is to come out there, answer the questions that the press give to him. Now, if he wants to answer by saying, you know, that's a stupid question, that's fine. Or to be honest, I'm not answering that because, you know, that we keep that in sight. What I don't like is the, is the demeanor that he comes up with. And it's almost the dismissiveness. These journalists are not there asking questions of Bill Belichick because they fancy doing it. They're not there as fans doing it. They are trying to do their job. They are trying to get quotes for the newspaper, for the radio, for television, whatever it might be. Now, The way I would do it is I would just simply say, I'm sorry, I'm not answering that question or really, I'm I'm not sure that is, you know, it's the right time. I would have a quiet word with a journalist afterwards and say, look, you were trying to make me look stupid up there with that type of question. Seriously, don't do that again. But he actually goes up expecting to be irritated. And that honestly annoys me. I don't mind upsetting a manager um, in, a, in an interview, I've done it myself, if they don't like the question. Let's be honest, Cameron, most football managers who are under pressure know a question is coming. Yeah. Uh, and you don't, you don't necessarily have to ask it in a really direct, horrible way because they're human beings as well. You can ask it in a way that, because what you're trying to do is elicit an answer. If you're going with a question that's going to say, you're getting sacked tomorrow, and the boy goes, go and do one. You're showing, you know, you're showing a lack of respect and you're also not going to get the answer you're looking for. If you can phrase that slightly differently, you know, it'd be hard to ignore that the fans are starting to turn against, you know, that's certainly what it looked like from the stands. There was a great deal of unhappiness, you know, you know, where does that leave you? That's a different way and they may well answer it. And then you've got the audio or the quotes that you need to take you forward. I don't like people doing the Belichick. Belichick's supposed to, he's an intelligent guy. He's a clever football coach. He's got the ability to be very, very funny. But go and drop the, the, the sewer plume look. It's just not a good one. <laughs> right. Do you know what? You've convinced me. I'm wrong. He, he is right. He's a ball back. <laughs> right. Brilliant. Okay, we move on. <laughs> um, I, do you know what? Was, I immediately started thinking about like Alec Ferguson. And I wonder how the American press would have coped with an Alex Ferguson. That's immediately what kept going through my head. I was like, they wouldn't know what to do with them. They wouldn't know what to do. But no, I think you're right. Uh, moving on, DJ Solman, he got in touch to say that uh, Belter of the Week has to be for his Lions, still undefeated. This may be their last chance to say it, so he's getting it in while he can. Uh, David Ross says, Bowfin, Stefan Diggs, and every fantasy expert that tipped him for a big game. I think that's pretty fair. Uh, Mark Ingram, he says Belter was Daniel Jones. There's a few nominations for him. Bowfin, Baker Mayfield. Bobag, Baker Mayfield. So I think he's got it in for Baker this week. Belter, uh, John Gemmo says, is either the Chicago Bears defence or Taylor Gabriel, who had a game. Uh, that last touchdown that he scored where he just managed to get the tip of his toe in bounds was quite something, to be perfectly honest. Really good performance. Uh, and the Bears' D kept them in the game because Mitch Trubisky was slightly better, but still not brilliant. No, I mean, I think the Bears are rightly concerned about him, but you've got to go in and beat the teams that you're supposed to be better than. And it was fairly comfortable, it has to be said, against... Uh, the the Redskins. Uh, interesting, I mean, we'll touch on week four, but the Giants-Redskins only becomes interesting now because of the quarterback playing for the Giants. Yeah, indeed. A couple more. Matt McLaughlin, he says, uh, Belters, Matt LaFleur going 3-0 in his first three games for the Packers, although you've suggested that's Aaron Rodgers. Uh, <laughs> Bowfin will be Miami every single week by the looks of it. I think they now get a pass because there was times where they looked sort of partially dangerous and they were kind of in it in the first quarter a tiny little bit. 
Uh, Matt's given Bob Agta Antonio Brown, of course. There's a few people, a few people done that, including May Benex. Uh, he says Bob Ag AB the train wreck doesn't even come close for this guy. Belter for him, Daniel Jones, impressive showing in his debut. Bowfin was the Steelers, forced five turnovers and still lost. Uh, right, last couple. Ross Black, he says, Belter, Buffalo keep rolling on. Daniel Jones too, great start. Bowfin is the Eagles D for little to no pressure on Stafford. Eagles skill players for drop balls and missed opportunities and the coaches for dreadful play call. He then says, Bob Ag is Jalen Ramsey unless he signs for the Philly Eagles. <laughs> Polly's been in touch, right? So Polly's a Tampa Bay Bucks fan who's been at all of our events, sits up front and always gets a load of abuse. Um, he's asked us to go gently on him this week. <laughs> um, well, I tried. I yeah, tried. we did try. We're not doing that. Uh, Belter has to be Daniel Jones. How can he begrudge him that? He wishes him very well. That's very good of you. Now, one but- thing he's said, though, is Shaq Barrett's performance shouldn't be overlooked either. Now, Shaq Barrett has had a brilliant start to the season. He really has. Um, It's actually quite impressive what he's doing. And that Tampa Bay Buccaneers defence looks to have taken a substantial step up in its quality, which I'm not sure anybody was particularly expecting. Through the first three weeks, he leads the league with eight sacks so far which is great for the Buccaneers. That's exactly what you want. Absolutely. I mean, I, th- I think they, they're underlooked. And as say, if they could get a quarterback that would stop throwing interceptions, I think they'd be an awful lot better. Yes, indeed. Right, last ones. Um, so, Lauren Callahan, he says, Belter, Daniel Jones, bring, bring in the back... Bringing the Giants back from 18 points down to when his first start. He actually tags in Polly to say sorry for saying it. <laughs> I love that these guys, they, these guys have met up at a live event and are now noising each other up over Twitter. Uh, Bowfin, the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, slight dig there from the Cowboys fan, dropping passes and missing other opportunities to win the games. He also included the the clip of the guy who was helping rescue children from the with the fire brigade. Uh, ball back for him is Davin Goodshow. Uh, asking after a game in which he only recorded three tackles, one assist, if they're the best O-line, then what am I? The Dolphins D recorded one sack, a giveaway to tackle, gave up 235 rushing yards, 241 yards passing, and 31 points. Win the game, then you can brag. That's pretty good advice from Lauren, to be fair. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. You've got to do the job first. Right, can I give you mine? Yes. I'm going to go my runner-up belter, are the Bills? It would have been the Lions if they hadn't have been two zero and one. But I think the Bills. But I think you've got to give it to Kyle Allen, undrafted quarterback, goes to his home state, two hundred and sixty one yards, four touchdowns, wins the game, shows up the the number one draft pick. Kyle Allen for me is the belter of the week. Yeah, do you know I think that's a really good one. I'm going to go with the majority. I'm going to say Daniel Jones. I think that given the negativity around his draft position, given the noise, given the fact he's coming in and stepping in for Eli, and let's be honest, nobody, well, Geno Smith certainly didn't do a better job. (laughs) Um, But, you know, he came in, he lost his star running back, and he managed to grind out that win. Uh, I thought it was really impressive performance, and I hope he pushes on from here, to be perfectly honest. I really do. So for me, he gets my belter of the week. Who's Uh Bowfin? Bowfin, Bruce Arians, I'm sorry, I love Bruce Arians. What a coach, what a guy, but I'm sorry. Conventional wisdom is usually right because it's conventional and it's full of wisdom. Get your kicker closer to the posts. The chances of him kicking the field goal go up. Simples. Bruce Arians, Bowfin. So for me, it's actually the Tennessee Titans. Um, Going back to that Thursday night game, they were so disappointing. They were so poor. Go back to week one when they destroyed the Browns and they've just dissipated since then. Just nothing. Really disappointing on their part. Uh, I thought that would be a really good game. I think the Jaguars O-line was appalling. The, the meant that the Titans were able to stop the run all day long. It made Minshew throw, but he did a decent job of that. But Tennessee, really, you know, I they're a team that are capable of doing so much more. And this is a Jacksonville Jags team that was playing the rookie quarterback um, who had Jalen Ramsey distraction. They've got O-line problems themselves. 
and they couldn't get it done. They couldn't get it done. They didn't even get close to getting it done. So for me, the the Titans get my Bowfin Award. And who's your ball bag? So the runner-up is Bill Belichick. Yeah. I've got to excuse Jamie Borthwick from this because he took a slightly more holistic view. But the ball bag has to be the New York Giants fans um, who were supping beer and celebrating a win for a guy they absolutely rammed in the draft. Uh, Their level of shame knows no bounds. (laughs) It just shows how fickle sporting fans are. So for every Giants fan who got absolutely plastered uh, because of their success, um, ball bag. So for me, I am actually going to give this to Freddie Kitchens. Um, I think that he just wasn't on top of his game and he needs to be. And I think that he's kind of come out and fobbed off some really bad playing call with, fine, he's put his hands up, but just, I don't know. I don't expect you to be putting your hands up saying, oh, I got it wrong. Get it right, the head coach. That's not a good example to be setting to anybody. And ultimately, it was a tough game that they had uh, against the Rams, but he just going for it at times when he shouldn't have been going for it in fourth and nine. It just, nah, I just think he's, I, I don't know if he's got sort of worked up in the hype. I don't know what's going on, but I think he really screwed that one up. And I think that, to be honest, he, he's, yeah, I, I didn't really like his response to the whole thing. I didn't think he came off well in that one at all. So it'll be interesting to see if he can bounce back from that game and what's a very tough game uh, up against the Ravens this week. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. The only other uh, ball bag possibility was the the statement that I made when the Dolphins were playing the Cowboys, which was, make Teal great again. <laughs> yeah, let's not. Um, yeah, that, 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 that outfit combination didn't work for me, I no, have to say. No. Although, if we're talking about Teal, I think the Jaguar Teal is lovely. If that is I mean, teal, to be honest, but yeah, it, I think it, it is. It can it can work, and and you know, a shout out for the Packers' horrible uniforms, again as well. They they were particularly nice. And can I, if if we we have digressed onto uniforms, for the love of all that is holy, will the Buccaneers who have qualified for a uniform change because they've had these uniforms for five years, please go out and buy a font. <laughs> you can afford it. You don't necessarily... I mean, the rest of the jerseys are bearable, but please go out and buy a big boy font. Don't send the office junior to do it. Go buy a proper font. I mean, unless you come back with Comic Sans, please just go and get a grown-up font for your numbers. I think that's uh, fair to say. <laughs> right. Let's move on to week four then. Uh, and before we start talking about these games, we've got our podcast head-to-head coming up on Thursday Night Football as the Eagles head out to Lambeau Field uh, to take on the Packers. Uh, I thought it would only be right to let our two regular guests have their say. So let's kick off with Charles Patterson. Packers against the Eagles. I'm predicting Green Bay by 10 points on primetime Thursday night. The reason for that, I think the pass rush for Green Bay is so improved this season. They're the best defensive unit improvement in the league, in my view. You've got Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith causing all sorts of problems. Carson Vence was troubled by the Lions last week. Think what's going to happen at Lambeau Field. And there's guys in the backfield who can pick him off as well. And when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, the weight has been taken off him as a result of that defence improving. He and Matt LaFleur are getting that chemistry. I think they could be 30 points this week against an aggressive Jim Schwartz defence. Green Bay are going 4-0. So we've heard from Charles there, unsurprisingly back in his team. And now with a slightly different approach to doing it, here's Ian Stephen. The city of brotherly love becomes lactose intolerant on Thursday night as the birds take on the Packers, hoping to cut the cheese. Philly's 1-2 record is deceiving as Carson Wentz had game-winning touchdown passes against the Falcons and Lions dropped quicker than the beats on Paul Mitchell's new dubstep album. The margins are fine in the NFL and a healthier receiving core could have turned those games. The Eagles have 25% of their roster on the injury report and will look to keep things simple in Green Bay against a defence that is playing superb football. The Lions doubled Zach Ertz on Sunday and the Cheese Wizards should follow suit, which means a fit again Alshon Jeffrey will be the deciding factor in the game. 
Watch out for Blake Martinez on a coverage island against running back Miles Sanders as a mismatch that Doug Peterson tries to exploit like Cameron Hobbs in Latvia's loose pornography regulations. The team who plays best in the fourth quarter will win and that's why I'm backing the birds. So a unique style there from Ian. <laughs> loved it. Absolutely <laughs> loved it. You know, he, he would go for a fourth and 12 if he was the Browns head coach, that man. Uh, that was wonderful. Beautifully argued as well. I, I, yeah. Uh, yeah, unique. I look forward to. I, I don't think the Saints play the Eagles on the schedule, but it would be lovely if they did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, this isn't part of our pick six, but we might as well have a knock at one of them. Who are you backing in this game? Uh, this is really difficult. Uh, you know, the, I think the Eagles need this, but I think the Packers are the stronger team, so Green Bay. Yeah, I think the fact that it's at Lambeau makes it a Green Bay win as well. I think that the defence is playing particularly well, as, as Charles said, and we mentioned earlier, they're the surprise of the season, uh, how well they're doing on defence. So the Eagles missing wide receivers, it's not. It's a short week for them as well. Yeah, it could be a tough one for them in Lambeau. I, I think it'll be a contest. I don't think this will be a blowout, but I think that the Packers win at home. Absolutely. That, that That's certainly the way that I would go. It's a decent game for a, for a Thursday night game as well. It's the kind of game you'd want to watch. It is. So... Oh, one thing, actually, that you just reminded me of this, I have to talk about before we move on. Booger McFarlane had an absolute stinker on Monday Night Football. He needs to stop trying to guess what the play calls are going to be because he got pretty much everything wrong. I also think Alan Robinson's going to be giving him a knock on his door or a, a little tap-up on Twitter or something because he said he made a comment about the, the Bears not having a clear wide receiver one. Alan Robinson is definitely their wide receiver one. But anyway, do you know what? We've we could just go on about Booger McFarland for an hour every single week, I reckon. So yeah, I I, I love the 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 enthusiasm and the surprise in your voice that Booger McFarland had a bad game. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we'll we'll probably wait till about week six or seven before we do our broadcast review yeah. in terms of the you know the the crews that are around. Uh, but Booger McFarland is definitely definitely at the bottom so far. Yes. So before we do our pick six, Paul, what games from week four are your highlights? I, I mean, selfishly, um, I've got to look at how the Saints are going to do because I think that that's going to be of interest to me. I think you've you've had a good win. Now you play the Cowboys. A uh, little bit of uh, Sunday night football, which will be great. I think it's a really interesting matchup um, against my fantasy quarterback as well. So that will be interesting. I think Troy Aikman quite fancies uh, his team's chances on that occasion. So that, I mean, of, of the games, that that's that's the ones that really, you know, really come to me to be there. Um, but there's, there's great games across the table. But can I go slightly op the opposite way, Cameron, and sure. tell you the games that, that hold very little interest for me? Okay. I think the Giants-Redskins is saved only by the quarterback from that point of view. Um, already there's a couple of games. I mean, Dolphins-Chargers looks a bit meh. Cardinals-Seahawks, meh. Uh, Broncos-Jaguars has interest because the Jaguars have done well and the Broncos need to start winning at some point. Monday Night Football, Steelers-Bengals has got the narrative for all the wrong reasons. And I don't know, the person who chooses Monday Night Football, I'd be scared if my team was on Monday Night Football because they always seem to arrive with negative storylines. You know, the Steelers coming in to the Bengals looking for their first win of the season. Um, yeah, it, that's a bit, it's a bit much. Rams-Bucks, you would expect the Rams to be fairly, fairly stable. Games that catch my eye in terms of what they might mean for teams, can the Texans take care of the Panthers. I think that's a really good game on paper. In terms of narrative, the Colts, can they down the Raiders, which they're probably now expected to do? So the, these are the ones that are catching my eye. Yeah, there is some good games, like you say. There's interesting stories. The Bills-Patriots, oh, if you look at the, the win-loss column, is an interesting game. But I'm not sure that the, the Bills are really a contender at the moment. It'll be interesting to see, do you know what? Just if they could even keep close to the Patriots, then maybe the Bills could be a contender this year. Um, can I can I give you a stat on this? Yeah. Well, Tom Brady in his career against Buffalo is thirty and three. He is fifteen and two in Buffalo. Now that thirty and three, there has not been since Tom Brady entered the league a Buffalo quarterback who's won thirty games. <laughs> oh, jeez. 
<laughs> and he has won 30 against Buffalo. Oh, dear. So I, that's why I probably didn't I, I didn't pick it up um, because it's of no – it to me just – it still smacks of a one, one-way street. I hope I'm wrong. I hope the Bills are competitive. Um, and it would be the the way to go. But, yeah, I've got a real worry about that. I think the Bears-Vikings is the other one that I'm interested to see. The Vikings getting things in a groove on the ground with Dalvin Cook looking particularly impressive, leads the league in rushing yards so far this season. The Bears on the other side, the defense is looking really good, but Mitch Trubisky still needs to pick it up big time. I think Tariq Cohen's been particularly disappointing so far. A couple of plays uh, last night in the game, but nothing really to get particularly excited about. I think that this is an interesting one because the Bears at home really need to do well. They need to get winning. They need to get the confidence up. But the Vikings have started to find their form. And for that, this could be a real battle. A really interesting one. You're right. The Steelers-Bengals is interesting just because of it. It's just no, nobody's stinks won. worse. Nobody's won. Yeah. <laughs> who stinks worse? I mean, if you were well, we call to... call this the Baufin Bowl. This week's Baufin Bowl is between I... the Steelers and the Bengals. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I've got a bowfin bowl upstairs somewhere. <laughs> uh, you know, but I mean, one of the things, if you said to people, you know, you could go to any game, you know, pick a game and go to that. Now, I think the Cowboys Saints, but if I wasn't allowed to go to the Cowboys Saints, I think you've got to say Ravens against Browns has got wonderful storylines. You're looking for, you know, the Ravens to play well on the road, which they did last week. And the Browns, you know, they're either going to turn up at some point, or this is going to be just the most overhyped season. And, you know, you get Fox, CBS, etc., ABC, uh, looking to see how they can, you know, schedule them out at prime time. Yeah. I, no, I agree with you. I think that Saints-Cowboys, for me, is the, the number one game. Uh, obviously, they're not a million miles away from each other. That'll be a noisy, noisy Superdome. But Ravens-Browns is a really fascinating game. So... I'll be keeping my eye on those, and we'll be doing that, of course, in Glasgow. So look forward to that. Right, on to our pick six, though, now. Uh, and before we do that, we need to give just a quick update, and things have kind of, you know, it's uh, there's a wee bit of daylight now between the leader and the rest. So, Paul, you're <laughs> in front as ever with 11. Charles is in second place with 10. Jamie and Gordon are on nine. Me and Ian are on eight. So there's only three points in it after week three, and it wasn't as close as this last year. Uh, so I'm making progress. I'm going to grab onto that. But yeah, yeah, you you pick bravely. I do stupidly. <laughs> I, think I, I Freddie Kitchens it. Um, make the wrong calls, left, right, and center. Um, so pick six. Let's start off with Redskins at Giants. You've got to go the Giants. The Giants have all the momentum in the world, and you know Daniel Jones. He would have expected to play this season at home, but he would not have expected to play with this level of expectation on his shoulders. You you know, he might have thought, look, I'm going to come into a game. Eli's either been pulled or he's hurt. You know, people will hopefully get behind me. He's got over the potential drama because he's shown what he can do on the road. Now he goes into New York, which is just the most hyped up sports town going, with expectations that he alone will go in and beat the Redskins. And I just happen to think he will. So, we say I pick badly. I've got the Redskins on this one. Um, And (laughs) I think that I can see enough in there for the Redskins to have that just a little glimmer of... They can win games. They're going to... Any decent team they come up against, they're going to struggle. But I think they've got enough talent on that team that they can kind of win games. When they started going away from Adrian Peterson last night, they started to do a little bit better on the ground. They brought in Thompson and he started to get some yards against what is a really good uh, Bears defense. McLaurin has had a brilliant start to the season out of Ohio State. Third round pick. He's still scored a touchdown in every game so far. So I think he'll continue that form, which is great. I think this will be a ding-dong. I think this will be second game Blues literally, for uh, Jones, and I think that the Redskins will win that one. Okay, what I'd like to do is have a side bet on this one. This is now the chicken wing bowl. Okay. <laughs> Fine. L- losers buys the chicken wings on Sunday, right, okay. and uh, I'll have ranch and blue cheese with mine because you may as well go and get them ordered in advance. <laughs> Fine. Deal. <laughs> Speaking of chicken wings, Browns at Ravens. 
this is a cracking game. Absolute cracking game. And if you're going to go with a hot hand of quarterbacks, you would have to go with the Ravens. If you believe that the Browns have to kick out of it at some point, now is the time. This, to me, is a genuine 50-50. Um, I'm going to predict here, but I might reserve the right to change my mind at some point. Uh, I'm going with the Ravens. Okay, right. So there's there's either going to be daylight or I'm going to catch you because I'm going the Browns on this one. <laughs> um, for exactly the reasons that you say, I, I wonder how much of an impact that defeat will have on Lamar Jackson and how much doubt will be in his mind about his throwing capabilities. I think that the Browns' front seven is quite strong. Miles Garrett's massively disruptive. He continues to be. They're, they do have threats in the backfield as well. In their secondary, there's some decent players there that are capable of making big plays. And I think that Baker Mayfield has had a big dose of reality. I think that Freddie Kitchens has had the same. They get to dust themselves down from that, and they get to see if they can bounce back. I think that the talent that they've got on offense is and I talk about this to some of the parts, I think that some of the parts in the Browns is better than the some of the parts in the Ravens. And therefore, I think that the Browns go in there and they get the win. I'm, I'm just disappointed this week that you can't bring your 49ers to the party because they're on a bye week. Thank God. So, I'll so, be back so against can, them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't pick against them. So uh, I might mention that at some point in, the, in Glasgow, yes. your inability to back your own team. It's cowardice, absolute cowardice. But it's working, so I'm sticking with it. I don't care. <laughs> Love but, it. Panthers at Texans up next. If if there's going to be the closest game of the week, I think it, it's going to be here. Because, again, you've got that similar scenario of, you know, the quarterback, Kyle Allen, getting the chance to again impress at home against a good team. The Texans, I've just got too many concerns about their line. So, and again, I don't do this often. Uh, Panthers? So I'm going to agree with you on this one. And I think that the Panthers looked so good last week. They bounced back. And I think that this will be a real high-scoring affair. I think that the the line looked good at times for the Texans. I think that they are able to get things going. And Deshaun Watson is a constant threat. But I think the Panthers have Christian McCaffrey. And with Christian McCaffrey, you keep that front seven busy because they've got to focus in on him, meaning that if Allen can continue his throwing form, he could cause havoc in the secondary for the Texans. So I have the Panthers with you as well. I've got all road teams so far. We'll change that shortly. Vikings at Bears. Uh, Vikings at Bears. I mean, I don't know. I mean, again, this is what makes the NFL such a fascinating sport because the Vikings, you know, Good, comfortable win against the Raiders. The Bears, you know, get the get the job done on the road as well. I, I just find this a really, really difficult one to actually go. But I'll lean towards the Vikings because I've been giving the Bears a hard time. Yeah, and I'm going to go for the Bears. I'm going to break my road team backing. I think that the Bears are starting to get into it. I think that because this is at Soldier Field, because that Bears defense is so good, they're going to be the difference in this game. And I think as long as Mitchell Trubisky can just keep building up a little bit more each week, then he'll be good enough to beat this Vikings team. So I've got the Bears. Next one for you is you've got to be a man of your word. You can't give me a hard time and then go against your own Cowboys at Saints. Well, of the, of the, the six people on our pick six, I was the only one to take the Saints against Seattle. Now, guaranteed that was an administrative error because I also said that while I would like the Saints to win, I, I was actually going with all the home teams. Uh, that got lost in translation. So I'll stand I'll stand by the Saints. Teddy Bridgewater forever. Winning by default. It's disgusting. I'm going to put a little asterisk against your 11 at the top of the leaderboard because it's down to my screw-up that you managed to get it. That's just, that's just salt in the wound. Salt in the but, wind. Um, I, I'd never had any doubt that the scenes would work. <laughs> um, yeah, this is a kind of this is the one for me that I can't decide which way it's going to go. I think that this is a really fascinating game. It's going to be really good to watch. I've written down Saints, so I'm going to go with my gut. Yeah, I'm sticking with the Saints. I've, I I saw an awful lot more out of Teddy Bridgewater than I thought I'd see against the Seahawks. The Seahawks obviously were coming into the game unbeaten. Granted, against two teams that are struggling, but still, they were unbeaten. They still scored a bunch of points, although a load of them came at the end. But I think that the Saints really showed that they're capable even under Bridgewater. So I've got the Saints to win this one as well. And then the last game is the Baufin Bowl 
as we're now calling it, the Bengals at the Steelers. Who breaks that streak? Well, Who's I mean, be slightly less boofing next week. It could be a every, tie. <laughs> I mean, I mean, everybody. I mean, everybody will be sitting up to watch Monday Night Football. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I mean, when you get two zero and three teams going head to head, and Booger you McFarlane, know, you, leading you've you got Booger it. McFarlane in the in the box. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it it's a perfect storm. Yeah. So, so Bengals, they're at home. That's it. It's the Bengals at the Steelers. Oh, Bengals at the Steelers. I'll tell you what, Bengals will win on the road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and do you know what? I'm I'm going with you on that one as well. Uh, I think that the Bengals will win on the road. I think that they're better. I think that they are a better team. They've been more competitive in the games, really, to be honest. Although the Steelers have not been competitive, but I think that Andy Dalton is a capable quarterback. Mason Rudolph's got a lot to prove. He had a couple of decent throws, but a long way to go. Um, yeah, for me, it is the Bengals on the road, uh, and that completes our pick six. Excellent. Now, it's been quite a long podcast. We don't actually have a great deal of news to cover, but there's a couple of things that I want to talk about. One was some of the refereeing has been pretty poor. Uh, Tony Carrenti uh, was the referee between Detroit and Philadelphia, and he, it's fair to say <laughs> that the Eagles fans don't like him. <laughs> and uh, which is quite funny, and I and I was looking back at somebody who picked Detroit to win simply because Corrienti was officiating the game, and the Eagles never seemed to win. But he's also the second sentence he says also picked the Lions because Carson Wentz is known regularly to have near death experiences behind his offensive line, <laughs> which which again is just one of these lines that I wish. I'd come up with. Can I just bring you back to Patrick Mahomes and the Athletic out of Kansas City tweeted uh, Patrick Mahomes. Well, he tweeted I C Y M I. In case you missed it, Patrick Mahomes has thrown thirty six percent of Troy Aikman's career touchdowns in about eight percent of the games. Right, an impressive there's start. a stat. Yeah. Impressive stat. Troy Aikman came back. Now this this is beautiful, and this is where how you construct a tweet is perfect. He could have come back with just the line he used, but he then decided to use the I C Y M I as well, which I thought was brilliant. So in case you missed it, talk to me when he is thirty three percent of my Super Bowl titles. <laughs> that. Comeback. I think that that's comeback of the week from Troy Aikman. I think that was fabulous. So I know it doesn't really count as news, but I love it when somebody on Twitter, when somebody does you, you can rise above it and just kill them with a single tweet. So I think that's that's tremendous. Now we are heading to Glasgow, but you know we've been trying to give things away, prizes, bids, and things. So we've got Jimmy Gillen's signed Browns cap, yep. and we've got an online raffle as well for the Scottish Clearmore's training top. Tell us more. Yes, so first up, we've been auctioning off the Jamie Gillen signed baseball cap. We got him to sign that in the changing room whilst I was over in Cleveland. I don't know if I've mentioned to you, Paul, that I was over in Cleveland. Barely. I mean, thankfully, you've mentioned your colonoscopy a little bit less. (laughs) But it was a highlight of last week's (laughs) programme. Oh, I'd almost forgotten about it, damn it. Right, um, so we got Jamie to, to sign that. Now, what we were doing was we were having an auction, and at least 50% of the profits from this are going to be donated to the Highland Wildcats. It's worth adding, as someone did point out, Jamie didn't play with the Wildcats when he was up in Inverness. I think he went along once or twice when he was quite young to do some flag stuff. Jamie didn't play American football. But now that the people of Inverness have someone to look up to that's in the NFL, we want to give some money from that from an item that he's given us to his local team to maybe help them try and find the next Jamie Gillen that's coming up. So we've been auctioning that one off. The current highest bid is £150, which wow. is absolutely superb. What we've said, though, as well, is we're going to keep doing this till the end of the month. If we can get this over £200, we're going to throw in the cap and a Browns T-shirt too. If we can get it over £300, then we're going to throw in the hat, the Browns t-shirt, an exclusive NFL Scotland hoodie, and an NFL Scotland beanie hat as well. So keep those bids coming. Send us a direct message on Twitter or send us a message on Facebook and you've got a chance uh, to to win that for your very self. A collector's item, a one-of-a-kind, absolutely. Uh, and he's, he's done really well. AFC um, Player of the Week last week as well. So, you know, it's a brilliant piece. The other one is the Scott Cooper 
prize that we've we've got. Scott Cooper's donated three things. He's donated a cap that was given to him as a starting player for the team, a training top that was worn by uh, one of his colleagues. It wasn't worn by Scott, it was worn by one of the other players, but one of the official um, Scottish Claymore training tops. And he's also donated one of his touchdown balls. We've decided rather than just raffle that one out in Glasgow, we are opening that up to everybody. And if you go onto our Twitter, you will be able to find a link uh, to Ticket Taylor where you can buy raffle tickets that are a pound each. And everybody that buys that will go into a draw. We'll do a big draw. We'll sell raffle tickets on the night in Glasgow. We'll take all the people that have bought online. We'll put it into a big hat. We'll draw out a winner. We'll announce that as quickly as we can probably be done at about eight half past eight i reckon paul based on how we did things in edinburgh uh, but an opportunity to win there the other thing that we need to do as well is we need to give an update on our mcbookies pickham competition which is in absolutely full swing now so um sitting at the top of the table we've got two people levy on a prayer levy on a prayer living on a prayer yeah like with that yeah 35 yeah, that works. points yeah and daniel gillespie also with 35 points so there are two leaders at the moment now we've obviously talked about this prize at detail we've got a signed nfl shirt we've got a 100 pound free bet and we've got an nfl scotland hoodie in for this one a uh, couple of people sitting in tied third with just one point behind 34 points we've got jordan dufc i assume that's Dungeon united spain Oz82 and the Lichty Giants won, I assume, an Arbroath fan or someone based in Arbroath. Um, so it's quite competitive. You know, I'm, where am I sitting? I've got 29 points, so I'm six points off the top. I'm sitting in 65th position. So I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Are you going to reveal where I am? I'm trying to find you. This is a long list. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've, I've, I actually figured out that I've got two entries I somehow have managed to get two entries on this thing, and I don't know how. I've got to try and make sure I delete the right one uh, because one of them I, f- I completed, then logged in, found the other one, and threw a complete hissy fit at the weekend because I thought I was going to get zero points. Um, <laughs> to be fair, my picks alone on the other one <laughs> made it look like I was going to get zero points as well, but at least I was able to get a few points from there, so I need to go and uh, get rid of one of these. Well, Jamie Borthwick's currently sitting in 123rd, so uh, we can count him out of this one, I think. I still haven't found you. Um, but your son's ahead of you, so that's always good for you. That'll give that, you the encouragement that you need. That That's always good news. Jamie Borthwick, we're probably going to bring Daniel Jones in for him. <laughs> um, so, yes, right. Well, that concludes everything then for episode 67. Keep your feedback coming and make sure that you follow us on Twitter at ScotlandNFL and on Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash ScotlandNFL. Please keep sharing the podcast with your NFL friends. Give us a review on iTunes if you can. That would be fantastic. Keep interacting on Twitter and Facebook. It's Next Stop Glasgow now. We can't wait to have our first live event at Committee Room 9. We'll be joined, of course, by Jamie McLaughlin of the Pirates, Scott Cooper from the Claymores, and our very own Gordon McGuinness. Will be a great evening, we can assure you of that. Remember to set your McBookie Pick'em selections. See you in Glasgow if you're coming along. If not, we'll speak next week as we'll digest all the highlights from week four. But until then, thanks for listening. Bye for now.